Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go in to the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content. Uh, and also, if you would be so kind, wherever you find Joe and I on social media, like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. Help us out in any way you can. And today, we're very pleased to be welcoming back to the front line with Joe and Joe, author Anthony DiStefano. Now, many of you out there might remember Anthony from our prior conversation. However, if you do not, okay, we're going to forgive you for that. And I will give Anthony a little bit of an introduction. Um, Anthony DiStefano is the best-selling author of 20 Christian books for adults and children. Today, we're going to be just discussing two of his new books coming out, published by Sophia Institute Press, The Beggar and the Bluebird, and Joseph's Donkey. Um, also, um, Anthony has written other books, A Travel Guide to Heaven, 10 Prayers God Always Says Yes To, uh, The Donkey No One Could Ride, and Little Star. He has hosted two series on EWTN. His books have been endorsed by National Day of Prayer Committee. He has appeared on the 700 Club, Fox and Friends, Huckabee, and many other national media shows. He's also a member of the Knights of Malta, Militia Immaculata, and Legatus, as well as being a longtime pro-life activist. Anthony DiStefano, welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Oh, thank you for having me. I love being on this show with you guys. You're the best. Thank you, brother. So Joe, I'm gonna hand it over to you. Uh, we're going to begin with the prayer because all good things start with a prayer, and this is a good thing. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we find to you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us, amen. Amen. St. Dominic. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. So, Joe, where shall we begin? Well, we love having Anthony on the show. He's Italian. He's from Brooklyn. He broke the paradigm. He went right from Brooklyn to Jersey. He didn't spend a decade in Staten Island. That's usually, you know, you have to dip your feet in Staten Island before you make that jump. Anthony, you made the Joe, big jump. Joe, I'm sorry to have to correct you, but I did. Oh, yes. And not only that, but I went to Long Island, too. I did the whole route. Before I found, before I landed in New Jersey, I so, love it. I'm sorry oh, to disappoint you. <laughs> I wanted to get the whole uh, Italian New, New York experience. You got it all. all. Right. You got it all. We love having you. Um, the, as Joe said, the first book we're going to talk about is The Beggar and the Bluebird. And just uh, to give a little background, this is a story. It's a modern day fairy tale. It's in the tradition of Hans Christian Andersen and the Grimm brothers. You're in very good company. Um, could you give our listeners a little synopsis of the story, Anthony? Sure, sure. Uh, the Beggar and the Bluebird is a story about a little bird whose uh, flight southward for the winter keeps getting delayed. Uh, because of the strange requests of a local street beggar. Uh, the beggar keeps uh, asking the bird to fly on these various errands of mercy for him. He asks him to deliver some bread to a homeless man. He asks him to deliver some money to a widow with children. And, and he asks him to deliver a gold cross to a sick boy in the hospital. And as a result of performing these acts of kindness, the bluebird actually gets caught in a blizzard in, in a winter Christmas snowstorm and all seems lost for him. He, it's like he's going to freeze to death uh, until a surprise ending, which I think that we can reveal on your show, uh, demonstrates that the, the beggar is not really a beggar at all, uh, but an angel of God. 
that's beautiful. It's a beautiful story. I mean, it's a story that focuses on sacrifice. It also focuses on risk. <clears throat> I mean, these are our are, are modern day virtues. I mean, you could even call them virtues, particularly, I think, important to men and very important to Catholics. Listen, Joe and I always say this, Anthony, we have to get out of the boat as Catholics. And I mean, you're teaching a little bit of, of that, you know, in, in the sense of you're putting it into simple terms that people could understand. Why is it important? Important that we should take risks and embrace sacrifice. <clears throat> well, you're very, uh, you're right on the money. The the uh, risk and sacrifice are very closely connected to the virtue of courage, or as the old you know doctors of the church used to call it, fortitude. Um, and that really, the definition of courage is the is the willingness and the ability to face risk and sacrifice and danger to yourself, physically and otherwise, in order to achieve some greater good, in order to achieve the will of God. And, you know, the thing about courage that makes it such an interesting virtue is it's, it's really the cornerstone of all the other virtues, if you think about it. Because if you want to be, um, if you want to exercise love or hope uh, or faith, or if you want to be uh, exercise justice or prudence or temperance or any of the virtues, at some point you're going to face obstacles. You know, you, first of all, our own fallen human nature is going to cause us to be weak. And then there's going to be the temptations of, of the devil and the demons. And then there's going to be the whole secular world trying to stop you from performing these virtues. So at some point, you're going to have to have courage to, to persevere and fight through those problems. C.S. Lewis said that, that courage is really the, uh, the form of every virtue at its testing point. And I, I always have remembered that. Um, so I always want to write, people have a problem with, people are afraid. They're fundamentally afraid of so many things in life. You know, they can't pay their bills. They, they have money, money problems, job problems, uh, marital problems, uh, problems with their children. Most of all, they're afraid that they don't have what it takes to overcome the problems in their life. So I, I always want to try to preach and teach through my books about courage. And as you just said so aptly, especially for men in this era, uh, and especially for any Catholic or Christian, because we are involved, I mean, unless you're blind, you know, you, you, you know, you have to see that we are involved in a massive culture war uh, in which all our values are being attacked every single day, uh, in which the opposition is going after our children. So if, if we want to fight in that war and we want to fight for our children and we want to fight for our faith, then we've got to exercise courage and therefore we have to face risk and danger. How, how true that is, and, and also how important it is, Anthony DiStefano joining Joe and I at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Network, how important it is to, to provide a resource, Anthony, for parents, and you hit the nail on the head when you look at the, 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 the abyss, the darkness out there that we send our kids into basically every day when we send them out to school, to have a resource where we could teach uh, Catholic values, biblical values to our children, okay, in an entertaining way, of course, okay, um, the, uh, the stories are engaging, they're heartwarming, okay, um, we need to be doing these things, it's like, it's one of the battles in the, in the culture war that you mentioned, okay, the fight for our children, and one of the levels, or one of the ways we fight for our children is provide them with things that are entertaining, like Anthony's books, okay, The Beggar and the Bluebird and Joseph's Donkey, that's what we're talking about today, okay, um, and getting them away from the rot that's on TV and providing that counterbalance that we need to be doing as parents, okay, it's wonderful, Anthony, what you're doing when you, when you, when you write these books, it gives parents such a great resource, Joe, I'm going to hand that uh, over to you, unless you got a, a comment on that, Anthony, please. No, thank you, I just appreciate that, and that's exactly what we're trying to do, they, the other side is trying to jump over the heads of parents and propagandize uh, children. So we've got to get the, we got to get at the children. It's the whole heart of the battle. So I, I'm, you know, amen to what you said. You know, and, and you also mentioned fear. I mean, that's what the devil uses. You know, people are afraid. Like, like you know, everyone wants to play it safe. You know, God, when we when we trust in God's providence, He will take care of you. You know, I have learned, and this is something I want to get into in, in the next question is, 
the idea of of gift giving. I mean, this book, The Beggar and the Bluebird, teaches children the true meaning of giving. I mean, all people who love give of self. It also demonstrates the idea that God doesn't always work the way we think he's going to. We can't predict it. It's a mystery. Talk about that in your own life. Because I mean, I think we all have those type of stories where we've seen God's generosity, and he's also worked mysteriously in our lives. How has those moments moved you in your faith and also directed you to guide this book and write this book rather? Well, that's a really great question. First, let me just comment on what you said. I mean, you said so much there about uh, the meaning of, of gift giving and, and love itself, which is really what this book is about. Love is the most overused, abused, misused, confused word in the English language. You know, uh, if you listen to what Hollywood says about love or the music industry says about love, you'll never understand love. You know, love is about giving. It's about sacrificing yourself for the good of the other. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did. He sacrificed himself for our salvation. That's the, that's the, the whole heart of the gospel. It's, and that's the meaning of love and the meaning of gift giving. Um, now, and God does work very mysteriously because sometimes we don't see how uh, he, he helps us in the short term. How that sometimes we have to go through a lot of pain and suffering, just like Jesus Christ himself did. You know, you, you know on Good Friday, you know, he went through a crucifixion. Uh, it, it didn't look very good for himself or humanity at that point. That was the worst thing that ever happened in the history of the world, the murder of God. But yet what happened three days later? The resurrection, uh, the opening of the gates of heaven for all of us. That's the best thing that ever happened in the world. So God was able to take the worst thing ever that happened in the world, the murder of God, and turn it into the best thing the salvation of the world. So if God could pull good out of that bad, then he could certainly pull good out of the bad things that happen in our lives. And, and, uh, and that's why you're absolutely right. We Fear is useless. What's needed is trust. Fear is useless. What's needed is total trust. I could tell you in my life, um, just with, I mean, there's so many things that, that have happened in my life that I, that I don't deserve that God gave me. But I, in terms of my books themselves, when I want to, I've always wanted to be a writer. I remember praying so hard when I was in my 20s, God, just let me write one book, one book. I don't care if no, I don't care if one person reads it. I don't care if it's the worst publisher in the world. Just let it be a book on a bookshelf. I don't know why I had that, 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 that desire, but I had it. And it was an honest, I think, humble prayer. At the same time that I was doing that, I was making a consecration to, to uh, Jesus through Mary, according to the formula of St. Louis de Montfort. And guess what? After that, the books just started pouring out. The ideas started pouring out. And now we're up to close to 28, 29 books, children's books, gift books. And, and, and I think the reason is because I, my prayer was sincere and humble. And, and uh, even when it comes to ra radio programs, I know you have a wide listenership, a wide viewership, but even preparing for this program, I said to myself, God, even if, I, even if there's only one person out there watching, you know, maybe there's one person who needs to hear one thing, one message of encouragement, you know, let, let me be able to say something that helps that person. God will reward us. We may never even see that reward but he'll reward us in ways we can never imagine, in bigger ways than we ever hoped. I Amen, agree. Brother. Amen, absolutely. And you're listening to The Frontline with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Very honored to be joined by our friend Anthony DiStefano. We are discussing two books that uh, he has coming out from Sophia Press, The Beggar and the Bluebird, and Joseph's Donkey. So important, Anthony, Joe and I have said from the time we started doing, it was Joe, me, Joe, and the bookcase behind us in his basement when we first decided, all right, we got something to say. And our view is along the lines of what you said. If we do this for 30 years and, and we find out in heaven, God willing, we get there that we were able to convert one soul, it was worth it. If we never make a dime, we don't get paid for this. We're working guys, okay? We never make a dime. It's worth it. It's like you said. God gave you that gift because he wants you to say these things. It's obvious. That's why you've been blessed by 28 books. That's prolific, okay? That's a lot of material. And God bless you because you're getting the right message out there. And once again, 
that is a, a battle in the culture war. So God bless you for, for, for having done that and for continuing to do that. So important. But also in terms of giving of self, we have to empty ourselves, and that requires courage. I mean, I'll use Anthony's example as a writer. I'm a dad. You know, if my kid said, I want to be an author, I'd probably be like, become a cop. It's safe. You get a pension, you know, like, or, or you want to be Joe pursued acting because you want to be an actor, uh, be a teacher. It's safe. Sometimes you got to take risks and it involves emptying of self. You can't fill a glass with milk until you pour the water out. You have to empty yourself. Giving of self is the definition of love. And as Anthony said, that's what Christ did. And that's what we have to do. And that's what this book illustrates. It's taking risks, giving of self. And this is something teach uh, parents want to teach their children. Obviously, we do this by example. But Anthony, how else besides your books can parents best illustrate this very important life skill and lesson? Well, you know, it's a hard one to teach. You know, the idea that that giving is better than receiving, uh, that love means sacrifice. It's hard to to show that when they're older, you can explain to them about Jesus Christ and about the fact that when you give of yourself, you may indeed suffer pain, but that what God is going to give you for that is a peace and a joy that transcends understanding. He's going to give you an intimacy with God that you will never, you would never have had previously. That's a hard lesson for children to understand if you just tell them it. Uh, I think that aside from teaching them about Jesus Christ and aside from finding books that try to convey this message through uh, the imagination, the, you know, the best way to do it simply is practically. And it's to, to show children, you know, we have built into us, uh, wired into us a joy that when we give things, you know, it's, it's, it, we feel good when we give things. Now, sometimes people can be hypocrites and they, and they create charities and they give things away just because they want to reflect glory on themselves. I'm not talking about that kind of hypocrisy. Uh, I'm talking about just regular giving. It feels good to receive. And so I think that a parent um, should use every opportunity possible to let the child be the one that gives. Let him put the money into the basket at church. Um, if there's some sort of a giving to a poor poor people or to some ch charity, let let the child be the one to give. Let the, uh, I know a girl who bakes cookies and cakes for you know uh, some kind of a charity. Uh, and, and, and she makes sure that her daughter helps her make those cookies and cakes and then brings them to the building where they're distributed. You know, the child will get that feeling of joy. He'll, the, he or she will see that it feels great to give. And so it starts first in the emotions. Then as they get a little bit older, you can, you can try to, you know, uh, impart to them the, the reason for why it feels good. You know, so I say start practically. If that's I, the best I, I would agree. I mean, you absolutely. Be, it's the faith, you know, like this is our faith. And we talk to a lot of different people um, on this show. It's not an intellectual exercise. Our faith has to be lived. You know, like I, I always say this, you know, it, I tell my brother this, who's not in the church. I say, Matt, watch what people do. Don't listen, because to be honest with you, when I tell them about the faith, it pushes them away more. I Watch what they do. That's what is the important thing. All we do in our faith, our prayers, our sacramental life, is to translate into fruit, and it's that fruit which will change the world. Jesus showed that's us what also. And Joe, that's also, uh, I love your comments on this, Anthony. That's what, the, we have examples of this going back 2,000 years. That's what the martyrs did. That's what, that was the spark of Christianity. The Romans thought to mind, who are these people? In other words, they're going to save the babies that were, were that were discarding under the bridge. They're, they're joyfully going to their death. That's that, what you're talking about, Rasinello. That's that's exactly what what people turn around and say. I think I need to know a little bit more about that, and then they may feel inspired to to uh, as you say to start serving. As Anthony said, one thing I would add, Anthony, is I think one practical way uh, that that Catholic 
parents in particular can instill this in their children through the church is, uh, you know, all the different orders that are, that are out there that are running soup kitchens and things like that yes. to actually go feed, go yes. and look at Jesus in that poor person. Comment on that, Dan. Absolutely. You know, St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel always with words if necessary. With words, if necessary. Words, if necessary. That's a beautiful set. You're always preaching the gospel. You don't have to say a word. People, a lot of times, are afraid to speak. They're afraid to go out there and and do any kind of public speaking uh, or writing. Uh, but you could always preach the gospel through your actions, through your behavior. Right. And as you and as you said, the Catholic Church is so rich. Just look in the uh, 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 phone book or a directory, an online directory, you see all the listings of charities. Anytime anyone knocks the church, I always point them in the direction of all the charities and hospitals and soup kitchens and all the efforts to help the people out there that are poor. There's so many opportunities. So yes, take your children and make them part of that. And guess what? You'll, you'll wind up benefiting more than the child. You know, absolutely. And, and absolutely. we're talking about teaching in, in, a, in a simplistic way. I, I want to touch on this a little bit because when I read the synopsis of your book, it reminded me of a classic from India, from Tagore. It's called The Post Office. He was uh, a contemporary of Yeats, and he is basically, I believe he wrote the Indian National Anthem. Um, I, re I recommend all our listeners. It's it's sort of like their version of the Little Prince. Your books, Anthony, convey complex messages, but you synthesize them down to the child. And frankly, Christ says this. He says, we will not enter heaven unless we become like children. This is so important. That book is a classic, but I immediately thought of that book, actually, when I saw yours. Um, so you're in good company because this man, he is a, you know, a, a literary great. Um, talk about your process of synthesizing these very, I mean, these are like life skills into the eyes of a child, because I bet you the parents learn just as much as they read that book to the child when they get your books. Well, thank you again. Those, these are great compliments, uh, and I'm very humbled by them. I do try to reach the parents, and I'm very keenly aware that uh, older brothers and siblings, aunts, uncles, grandparents are reading these books to the children. And it's an opportunity to evangelize them. Everybody needs to be reminded of the truths of the faith. Everybody needs to be encouraged and reminded. And so, uh, of course, I try to, I don't ever try to write, uh, I try to write so that there's something for everybody there. Okay. As far as simplicity goes, you know, this is a very interesting subject. Um, you, 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 what I try to do is I try to simplify things without compromising or watering down the faith. That's the trick. It's very easy to simplify things if you want to throw out all the doctrines, you know, and, and you know, it's very easy to, to water down the faith. We don't want to do that. And that's really the, 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 the challenge that I face when I write children's books and when I write adult books like A Travel Guide to Heaven or Ten Prayers God Always Says Yes To or I wrote a book on hell last year. Um, how do you make it understandable, but at the same time, uh, keep in the fact that there, God is not always so simple. You know, this is, this is a very important point. Uh, brain surgery uh, is, isn't a simple thing, and God invented the human brain. So, and God is very complex in many ways. Read Thomas Aquinas. Uh, you know, you could be some of the most brilliant geniuses in history have been craft Catholics. Uh, you could delve very deep into the faith. When Jesus Christ said, you have to be as a little child to enter into the kingdom of heaven, what he was speaking about there was that you need to have a childlike openness, a childlike humility, a childlike dependency on the Lord. Um, you know, you, you, that's different from being childish. Childlike is different from being childish. Uh, children are, uh, think of a little a baby or a, a one or two year old who's totally dependent on his mother for food. Think of a little boy or a little girl who completely trusts their father and mother when they tell them something. That's the kind of spirit we need to have with God. We have to trust him completely. We have to listen to what he says. 
completely. It's that childlike openness, um, but it's not a childishness. It's not an ignorance. So I try to I try to strike that balance between not writing down to children or adults, keeping it as simple as possible, never watering down the faith, but inviting a kind of of uh, a trust and and dependency on 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 the father. I know that sounds like it's a mouthful, but uh, that's that's what I try to do, and it's it very inarticulately uh, the way I just explained it, though. I, I think it's I think it's spot on, Anthony DeStefano, who's joining Joe and I at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Network. No, it's spot on. See, remember what we're trying to do here in our little project, Anthony, is that we're we're trying to offer some solutions, encouragement, education, uh, in any way we can. Okay, um, and what you're doing is an antidote to what's going on. Now let's bring it back to what you just said, because you talked about being childlike. That requires humility. We live in the opposite of that. We have pride months all over the thing, all over the place. People feel pride in their sin, okay? On a whole, on a whole host of levels, right? Not picking on anybody here. That's what we're up against because we refuse in the modern world to be or to or to to to, to take that humble position of saying to the Lord, uh, Lord, I I know who you are, I know who I am, and I'm not you. I need your help. That's the opposite. That's why what you're offering is an antidote, a solution, one of one way uh, for parents to be able to equip their children. And again, I love that you said, and also maybe get it through their own heads. You, you know, you know, one of, one of the things about Catholicism that's so great is you don't check your brain at the door. You know, you don't check your brain at the door. Uh, the uh, as I might have said, you know, the 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 invent, you know, the inventor of the uh, the Big Bang theory of the universe was a Roman Catholic priest, Father George Lemaitre. The founder of uh, genetics uh, was Gregor Mendel, a Roman Catholic monk. We don't check our brains at the door. We produce some of the greatest minds in the history. In fact, the greatest minds in the history of the world. But you're absolutely right. The greatest spiritual writers uh, have always said, humility, humility, humility. That's the key to everything in the spiritual life. And, and yes. No, keep going. Keep going, please. I and, agree. And, and what you said also before, Joe, about this, there is a certain simplicity you can achieve. Uh, you know, everything, everything really does come down to love. The true understanding of love, sacrificing yourself, being Christ-like, um, loving your neighbors, loving God, the fact that Jesus is Lord and that he died and rose from the dead and that the last word in the human life is not death but resurrection, you know, and that life has the last word. Those are simple truths that are encouraging for everyone and uh, anyone could understand them. So I always try to pound those truths home as well. You know, you're you're so true. It's so true to say that, you know, some of the greatest minds have been Catholic. People always say that you're sheep, blah, 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 you know, almost like we're, we're idiots to believe that there is a God and he rose from the dead. But, you know, I, I love the theme of simplicity because sometimes what we see is a lot of intellectuals out there, and there are many, they start to think that they've figured things out better. And it goes back to the sin of Adam and Eve. Why did God say not to eat of the tree of, of, of knowledge of good and evil? Because I decide what's right and wrong. I decide. And there has to be an obedience to that. I have found, because I come from a simple family. My father was a barber. My mother was a secretary. My family were not fancy people. You know, for 100 years, we've been in this country. And for the most part, we're built low to the ground, Italians, because we're made to put cement on it. And that's what the Resinels have done for the most part for 100 years, simple people. But a lot of times, people who have stuff, they overcomplicate the message. Christ was a simple man. His parents were simple people. I mean, we lose, like, and, and you even see this in the church. We lose the forest. I mean, we lose the trees in the forest. Talk about that, because I have found, because the parish that I go to, the people I grew up with, they were working people, and they had an understanding of the faith that I have seen nowhere else. Talk about <clears throat> that. Anthony, 
Anthony, let's yeah. let's uh, keep that on the back burner for a second. I just we're just going to go to a quick break. You're listening to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello, way in the breach with Anthony DeStefano. We love it, a paisan, one of our paisans. Anthony's writing a lot of books, 28 books that he's already written. The ones we're discussing today are the Beggar and the Bluebird. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Joseph's Donkey. You could buy both at Sophia Institute Press. Remember that Veritas Catholic Network is 1350 on your AM dial. Download the app, Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app, and wherever you see Joe and I on Facebook, YouTube, the whole nine yards, whatever you can do to help us out, like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. Stick around. Don't leave. We'll be right back. Hey, you know about our Veritas shows, right? All five? It starts every Sunday at 5 p.m. with The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Their guests include the biggest names in the Catholic world, and Joe and Joe talk to them from the perspective of the everyday Catholic. Every Wednesday at noon, you can catch Let Me Be Frank. This is your chance to hear Bishop Frank Caggiano talk about spirituality, church news, and fun stories from his Brooklyn childhood and his life. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock. That's when you can hear It's Not That Late with Liv Harrison. It's a late-night show on Catholic Radio, and Liv mixes faith with humor, games, and dynamic interviews. There's a double dose of shows on Friday. First, at noon, it's Restless. It's four millennials talking about, well, life as millennials in today's crazy world. Yes, it's possible to be young and Catholic. Then, at 12.30 on Fridays, you can hear the focus on Veritas, where Peter Sonsky puts the focus on good works and the good people doing those works. Those are the five Veritas shows, and there's more on the way. Stay up to date at VeritasCatholic.com or on the mobile app. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello, very pleased and honored to be joined by a friend of the show, Anthony DiStefano. We are discussing his two new books that will be coming out. Anthony, they're Christmas books, am I right? These books are Christmas books? They are Christmas books. They can be read at any time of year, but they have Christmas themes, both of them. All right. Uh, so they're both available, will be available on Sophia Press, Sophia Institute Press, The Beggar and The Bluebird and Joseph's Donkey. Uh, so we, Anthony talked a little bit. We don't want to give the story away here. So you got to go out and you got to buy the book. So Anthony touched on the, the beggar and the bluebird a little bit. All right. Uh, and now we're going to talk about Joseph's donkey and get Anthony in even more trouble in this culture war that we're in. With that, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Resinello. I just wanted to carry over on the subject about simplicity. Could you yes, talk yes. about that? Because yes. I think it's important because I think a lot of people, you know, like... <clears throat> Joe and I are educated. Anthony, you're an educated man. You're clearly an, a smart guy. I mean, a lot of our listeners and the people who come on our show, I mean, we've, <clears throat> you know, they're intellectuals. Um, but let's talk about keeping well, it simple and then the importance okay. of it. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. It's very important to unpack some of the things that you said. First of all, we have to acknowledge that there is complexity and there, it, 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 our faith can be complicated, especially when we're arguing for doctrines like purgatory and hell and things like that. And it, it, the God is infinite. You have, that's the key. And because he's infinite, we can never fully understand every bit of God. We can never contain him in our little minds. So there's a lot of God. And that's why people think that things can get so complex. And there is an aspect and an element of that that's true. Okay. And that's why people like Thomas Aquinas were able to write these tremendously big books. On the other hand, you are 100% right by saying that things are incredibly simple. And it comes down to humility, humility, and humility. And you use the example of the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. This is a key to understanding God, and people misunderstood it. Um, God said to Adam and Eve, you, must, you can eat of every fruit in the garden, but not the fruit of that one tree, of the fruit of the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they ate of that fruit, and everything else was poison for them. And you correctly said what the reason was for that. People think when they read that story that, well, God didn't want us to have knowledge. He didn't want us to have knowledge of good and evil. No, 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 no. When man ate the fruit of the, that tree, he was making himself into God. He was making himself say, I am the arbiter of good and evil. I decide what is good and what is evil, just as you articulated before. Uh, and that is exactly where we find ourselves today. We're back in the Garden of Eden. Today, we are all saying as a society, we decide who's a man and who's a woman. We decide 
what marriage is and what marriage is not. We decide whether it's okay to kill a baby in the womb or not kill a baby. We decide what's right. We decide what's wrong. Not God. We are God. And that's the dangerous situation that we're in today. And the beauty of trying to convey our faith simply is that we convey the very simple idea that you said that, you know, the, 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 the two biggest truths in the universe that you can learn are there is a God and number two, I'm not him. I'm not him. Okay. Those are the two. You got that. You got everything. And so uh, humility and understanding that we don't make the rules. We receive the truth from God. And that's where things get very, very, very simple. And the last point I'll say is that you run into these intellectuals that you were talking about before. This is a, a danger when you become an intellectual and you got a, letter, a lot of letters after your name and you have all these different degrees, there's a tendency to pride. You have a, you become arrogant. You, be, you come to think that you are the one who has all the truth. And pride always issues in disobedience, just like in the Garden of Eden. They were prideful. They ate of that tree and they were, they were disobedient. And everything came to pieces after that. And that's what happens with a lot of these college professors who know all about calculus, but they forget about, you know, a simple arithmetic, you know, it's because pride and pride always issues in disobedience. That's what we see around us today. Sorry for such a long winded answer. Oh, no, no, we love it. We love it. Um, and, and it's so important that we emphasize to all the people out there that knows when we're, when we're, see, we have to go on offense in this culture war. Okay. And one of the ways we do it is we don't allow um, the, the, the atheists, particularly the belligerent ones. Okay. Cause they're more prominent in the last 15 years. No, you're not going to call our religion a superstition. Okay. We have, we, we gave you science that science you say you rely on father Stanley Yaki wrote the book. He was, um, he was a teacher at Seton hall. In other words, science is born of Christianity. You mentioned father Lemaitre and George Mendel and all the other Catholic pioneers of science, clergy and laity. Okay, it's a it's a very important message because that's one of those that the, the disinformation campaign that goes on about the particularly the Catholic Church is that we're in the dark ages, we're in the Middle Ages, we're superstitious, blah blah blah. It's the opposite of the truth. I'd like to see the atheists produce one mind that's even on the same planet as Saint Thomas Aquinas. Okay, that's even remotely capable of writing a summa theologiae. I'd like to see one. They don't have one, quite frankly, Anthony. They, no, nor can they produce one hospital, nor can they produce one system of government that's not totalitarian dictatorship that murders its people. I wrote a book on this called Inside the Atheist Mind, exposing the religion of those who don't believe in God. And it attacked the, uh, it really attacks the atheists and just proves exactly the point you're making, that we're not the ones that are superstitious. They're the ones that are superstitious. They believe that everything in life, all our love, all our hopes, all our dreams, all our history, all our philosophy, all our art, all our culture, all our greatest passions, love, hates, everything is, is the result of the random movement of uh, molecules in a lifeless ether. That's superstition. That's not logic. That's superstition. So, so yes, I agree. <laughs> I, I want to, and Joe, I'm going to hand it over to Joe because we have to talk about your book, Joseph's Donkey. We were talking earlier about the beggar and the bluebird. Go out, buy these books for your kids. Read these books for your kids. You could get them at Sophia Press. I'm just going to, um, actually, you know what? Let me hand it over to Joe. Actually, yeah, yeah, because it's important. We want people to get out and get this book. Joseph's Donkey is a heartwarming tale about a noble donkey that J St. Joseph purchased uh, before he got married to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, could you just give us a little synopsis of it? And uh, I think from it, we'll have some great conversation. Sure. I, I, I've always wanted to write a book about St. Joseph. He's, he, look, you, you guys should appreciate that, Joe and Joe. My middle name is Joseph, so he's my patron saint. And uh, this book is about, as you said, the donkey that he purchases before he gets married to Our Lady. The donkey helps him in his carpentry business, hauling stones and wood. But he also uh, plays a key role in all the major events in the infancy narratives of the gospel. He takes uh, Jesus and actually, excuse me, takes Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem, where Jesus is born. 
He takes the Holy Family family to Egypt to flee from the evil King Herod. Later on, when Jesus is 12 years old, he brings the the Holy Family to to Jerusalem, where Jesus is lost in the temple and then found again. So this book is a way to introduce children for all those uh, beautiful uh, events in in, in the infancy narratives, and also a way to introduce uh, children to this marvelous character of uh, and hero, heroic saint, St. Joseph. Yeah, I mean, we've interviewed a number of people on the subject of St. Joseph, and I love the subject because he's a great saint. And I I think this is an important topic that people have to discuss. Joseph, our Pope just recently had a year of St. Joseph. Um, So many kids don't have fathers. Fatherlessness is a problem in our culture. Um, And I'm so glad that you wrote this book to show people what a true man is. And Joseph was just that. Talk about the need for that, like, I guess, like example of true manhood, Anthony. I mean, I, I, I think it's so misunderstood nowadays and kids through this book will learn what a true man is. And that is frankly sacrifice. A father gives of himself for his family. Talk about that. Yes. Ju- you know, f- fatherhood, you know, why does God use the word father and our father. Why is God the father explained as a father? It's because fatherhood comes from him. Uh, and, And we fathers are a reflection of the father. Now, what did the father do? He emptied himself and became a a human in the form of a little baby, Jesus of Nazareth. He completely emptied himself. So again, we come back to the subject of of loving, which is the complete giving of oneself, giving for your family, giving for your wife, being ready to die for your wife, St. Paul tells us we have to do. You have Men have to love their wives as Christ loved the church, which is to the point of death, you know? Um, and today, talk about, I mean, getting into a minefield subject. Well, you're I mean, on the front line, are, Anthony. You go, baby. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, I'll, I mean, we can go all day. We're in the middle of the gender wars here, too. I mean, you, we don't know who is a man and who is a woman. And if I, if I was on a mainstream television show, as I sometimes am, if I say something like, you know, um, it is the nature of a, a man to be protective. It is the nature to be more aggressive. It is the nature, therefore, to protect his family. Even something like that will get all kinds of, you know, catcalls and, and howls and shrieks from, from people who, uh, who will call me a sexist, you know? So we're really in the minority here in order to, to defend our teaching. But yes, my hope is that showing St. Joseph, who is humble and quiet and a hard worker, and who protects his family, and who loves his wife, and who loves his, 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 his adopted son, you know, that that's a way to instill from a very early age this, uh, uh, this meaning of manhood. I want to at least introduce that idea to children. It, obviously, they're not going to learn it in, from this little book, but by seeing the strength of this man, and by the way, in this particular book, it's called Joseph's Donkey. The donkey is a mirror image of St. Joseph in this book. You know, he is a personification of Joseph. He has all the characteristics of St. Joseph. He's humble. He's quiet. He's a hard worker. He protects the Holy Family. He's loyal. All of those things. My, my, my goal in doing that was so that when children fall in love with this character of the donkey, they will fall in love with and get to know the character of St. Joseph. The reason, by the reason, but the reason why I did that was because St. Joseph doesn't have one single recorded word in all of scripture, you know. You I was know? just gonna I was just gonna mention that. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, he, you know, we see him listening to dreams, we see him taking the holy family here and there, but there's not one recorded word that he said. That doesn't mean he didn't speak, he did, but uh, but but nothing was mentioned in scripture. So so as, as a writer. Uh, and an Orthodox Catholic, if I want to write a book about St. Joseph, you know, it's hard because I don't want to put words into the mouth of St. Joseph. I don't want to write stuff that's not in the gospel. But with a fictional donkey, on the other hand, I could make him think and say anything I want. And it's just a reflection of St. Joseph. So that was the, the little trick here. And that's why it's about, it's about Joseph's donkey. But it's really about St. Joseph. 
that's great. I mean, it, it really goes back to also when you think about it, and we could go on and on and on about St. Joseph. Again, a guy who didn't say one word in scripture. Um, but it goes back to what you said earlier about uh, St. Francis of Assisi, you know, uh, always be preaching and once in a while open your mouth or when, when necessary use words. It's like... How Joe and I had uh, Father Calloway on, and we, we we talked to him. He's big, obviously, on the consecration right. of St. Joseph. Volumes and volumes and volumes and volumes that have, have been written over the course of centuries about a guy who doesn't have one recorded word in Scripture. His action convey a strength that modern men, and any of us, any of us, can only hope to emulate. In other words, the trust, all these themes we're talking about today, Anthony, I want you to comment on the trust, the humility, the, the strength, the courage. You got to go from Israel to Egypt. Are you kidding me? With, with, you know, with, a, with, a, with a, a, a toddler and your wife? That's something that modern men can really, modern men can really use as an example on so many different levels. Please talk about that somewhere. Yes, yes. Modern man needs that because, you know, we are in the middle, midst of the snowflake generation, you know, the midst of the, the all this whole generation that feels so entitled. They're so upset every time you, you poke them, you say anything bad about them, you use it in a nasty word. Even comedians can't can't aren't free to joke around in the way they used to because everybody is so sensitive. We've completely been emasculated as men, completely. The whole young young generation. So where do you where do you find images of true men? Well, you look to the Gospels and you see the two greatest images, to my mind. Of course, the number one image is our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the perfect man, the man who suffered and died for us, and then Saint Joseph, who who was a true man. He, he wasn't, he didn't have the benefit of course, of being a divine person like Jesus, you know, he, uh, he, he was, he, and he didn't have the benefit of being immaculately conceived like our lady. So we have to assume that, J that Joseph sinned once in a while too. He wasn't sinless like our lady. And so he's, we can really relate to St. Joseph and he did everything that you just said there. You said it better than I could say it. And, and what, how do we recognize him today? He is the patron of the universal church. He was the husband of the blessed Virgin Mary. Can you imagine God had a, God trusted him to be the husband of Mary, the foster father of Jesus. When God was a baby who protected God, God, when he was a baby, Joseph, he's the, uh, He's the patron of a happy death. This is something also that I included in the book because in this book, the little donkey dies at the end when he's old. I wanted to include that because St. Joseph is the patron of a happy death. Why? Because he died surrounded by Mary and Jesus. What? There's no more joyful death than that. So you can't get any greater saint than St. Joseph, which is why I, I, I agree with you 100% and why, why I, I wrote this book. I want to talk a little bit about another thing that Joseph did that I think people should get out of your book, which is very important, and I want everyone to go get it. That's Joseph's donkey. But also what Joseph did is he opens himself up to basically the dangers of the world. You see, people are – it's the theme of fear again. Opening yourself up. A man, when he gets married, opens himself up to, to – to be honest with you, to sacrifice. A man that has children opens himself up. And I think a driving reason why people don't do that anymore is because we've thrown God out of society. I would not be a father of five if I didn't believe in God because I know damn well I can't take care of my kids without God. I would never have done it. Joseph opened himself up. What? Your wife is pregnant and I'm going to marry this woman? God said, listen, take her into your home. And he did it. What? You want me to leave my job and my business and go to e Egypt? He wasn't an intellectual. He dropped everything and he did it. Talk about the idea of the need for men and Catholics to open themselves up to the greatness of God because through that we will achieve great things on earth. Again, you know, you 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 both are so good that I it's hard to articulate these ideas any better than you are. I'm listening to you and I'm getting excited listening because I'm getting inspired myself as a man to hear you speak this way. Fear is useless. What is needed is trust. This applies to every situation. This applies to when you go to the doctor and they tell you that they found a spot on your lung. It applies to 
your child is going through some kind of a crazy problem. He's being bullied or he's, or, 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 or worse, he's starting to do drugs. I mean, think of all the problems. It applies to the culture war that we're fighting. Fear is useless. What is needed is trust. The battle is already won. Our vi- as Catholics, victory is our starting point. God opened up the gates of heaven. We already know that if we persevere, the end of the human story is life and heaven. I mean, people don't think about heaven enough. They don't think that one day after we die, there, if, if, if we get to heaven, it's going to be an eternal place of happiness and joy. If people meditated in, on heaven just five minutes a day, it would radically change their lives because it would change their whole perspective on life. They wouldn't get so caught up in all the details and all the, the things that are dragging them down. And once they had that perspective, I think they would be much more courageous in dealing with all the different obstacles and problems that they have to face in life. Um, but yeah, that's what it all comes down to, overcoming fear, overcoming the fear of things that can give you pain, but can't really harm you. I'm, I'm reminded of when uh, uh, the Israelites uh, had the Egyptians at their backs and, and they had the, the, uh, the river in front of them, the Red Sea in front of them, and, and they didn't know what to do. They were trapped. And, and Moses heard God's voice. And what did God say to the Israelites? He said, tell the Israelites to go forward. Go forward? Where? Through the, through the Red Sea? Don't go. He said, don't go back. Go forward. And, and, what, and, and because of their trust and faith, he actually parted the Red Sea. They went through and all the enemies were then drowned. I mean, that's the message that he has for us today. No matter what situation that you're in, if you're out there listening and watching this program and you've got to and you've got to do something courageous. You've got to do something brave. You've got to do something outside your comfort zone. The Lord says, tell the Israelites, tell the Christians, tell the Catholics, tell the people of life to go forward. Go forward and trust in me. Amen. Amen. Anthony, we mentioned earlier in your bio, and if you're just joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello being joined by a good friend of the show, Anthony DeStefano, two books we need for you to go out and buy for your kids, particularly around Christmas time, and read it to them, The Beggar and the Bluebird and Joseph's Donkey, both available on Sophia Institute Press, but anywhere else also, Anthony's Amazon, where else can people buy the books? I, you know, my, I've been very blessed. My books are at Barnes & Noble. They're, they're, they're at all the Catholic bookstores. They're at Priest for Life, EWTN. I mean, every, my books are all over the place, even in the mainstream uh, bookstores, you know? so right, excellent. Excellent. Um, I, let's, um, because I mentioned in your bio, one of the things, you're, you're a longtime pro-life activist. Right. Okay? Love your opinion on something. We won't get you in too much trouble, Anthony. We promise, okay? Because okay. we love you to death. But we'd love your opinion on what, what you think might be, if, if you think, based on what's going on in individual states, maybe, um, what we're seeing from a maybe uh, inaction on this recent uh, Texas heartbeat bill from the Supreme Court, uh, that we might be seeing a shift um, on the abortion front in America. Being a longtime pro-life activist, I, I, we want your opinion on that. We want to know your take on the landscape right now. I think it's very positive, very hopeful. I think all signs point to the fact that it, there is a chance for the first time in years and years that Roe versus Wade might be overturned. There's, it's a, there's a possibility of that. And already in many states, we see uh, actions being taken that will that will protect uh, children in the womb. So it's the most hopeful that I think that I think we're in the most hopeful place that we've been since uh, since the since abortion was legalized. Um, And 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 I think that the the church has got to be more bold about this issue. I'm I'm an Orthodox Catholic and I'm loyal to the Pope and and the bishops and the church. But, you know, I'm reminded of what Bernard Nathanson said. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Bernard Nathanson. He's one of the people who built uh, the abortion industry. He was a uh, atheist, pro-abortion. He actually aborted his own child. Okay, uh, he, he, he and he and he was involved in the business end of building up the abortion industry. He eventually became pro-life, uh, and he eventually became a Catholic before he died several years ago. And he said, 
uh, after he had become pro-life, that if the church had been united, purposeful, and strong, we would never have been able to get away with what we got away with. We would never have been able to get away with the lies that we told. I think it's so important that uh, our bishops and our priests speak out on this issue. A lot of times they're afraid to speak out on this issue because, I mean, not only, not always for reasons of cowardice. Sometimes they think, you know, well, a lot of people in my pews are, have been involved in abortion and they don't want to hurt them. Uh, sometimes they, they're ignorant. They don't know what to say about abortion. Sometimes they're, they are afraid. They're just, they're, they're cowards. Their cowardice is a, is, is a sin that a lot of us have to deal with. Um, but in this case, they can't because we have a beautiful message. And the message is that abortion is wrong. It's always wrong. But that if you've had an abortion or if you've, or if you've uh, helped take help in, in, uh, in a, someone getting an abortion, forgiveness and healing are always there. The doors of the church are always open. Uh, the, the one drop of Christ's blood is enough to, to wipe away the sins of a billion universes. So, but, but it starts with acknowledging the fact that abortion is an evil. It's something wrong. And before healing can start, there has to be that forgiveness. Amen. And St. Joseph Amen. is a great model of being pro-life because clearly he took Mary into his home and he was a foster father. Joe Basile is a foster father. Um, and I'll be honest with you, this is something that all men in different ways. Anthony, you have millions of children because all the children that read your books are your children and you're teaching them. And that's why people should go out and buy this book, Joseph's Donkey. But let's talk specifically about the illustrations in this book. How in important is it to illustrate um you know like the images and the ideas that you want to portray to kids is this something that you carry out in all of your books oh yes i'm very much involved in the illustrations i mean the the short answer is that a, you know a picture tells a thousand words images are very important they're very memorable but a deeper kind of understanding is that there's there is a there's a line that goes directly from the eye to the heart that doesn't pass through the brain. You know, let, let me let me say that again. I don't know. Somebody said that once and I've always been struck by it. There's a line that goes from the eye to the heart that does not pass through the brain. In other words, you can see things sometimes. You could see images and it could give you a deep, profound understanding without actually having to analyze it in your brain. And one picture can accomplish that. It could also happen with music. There's a line from the ear to the heart that doesn't pass through the brain. And so in order to captivate a child's imagination or an adult's imagination, images uh, and stories are extremely important. We can impart truths do, through images and stories that we can never impart by just getting up there at a, at a, at a you know, and, and teaching in a didactic uh, professorial way. So yes, images are important, and I choose my illustrators very carefully based on the based on the mission of the book. In this particular book, we're talking about Saint Joseph, and Saint Joseph is real. He's not make believe. He's not some, you know, cartoon character that these kids see on their video games. He he's real, and so I wanted to convey that theological truth by getting an illustrator who specializes in photorealistic types of. Of, of paintings. I want children to be able to reach out and feel that they could touch Joseph and touch Our Lady because I want them to know that these, these people are real. So that's a, and, I, and for the other book, The Beggar and the Bluebird, that's a less real book. That's more of a fairy tale. And so it was important to capture the humanity of the animal in that book. And so I chose an, an illustrator like Richard Cowdery who Puts, is able to put human expressions on animals better than anyone in the world. So yes, for every uh, uh, subject that I write about, I try to choose the very best illustrator to convey the truth. Awesome. awesome. Joe, we got a couple minutes. Any final question for Anthony? Yeah, actually, I, I'm glad we have some time because I think this is an important question. Jesus taught in parables, and I've always thought about this. I mean, he taught in a way that let his disciples and people today pull meanings out of something without basically telling them. People don't like to be told things. Talk about that, please, the idea of parables and how effective. People Anthony, we have about a, we have about a minute left just to give you a heads up. 
people feel things before they understand things. And sometimes when you uh, listen to it, uh, when you analyze something or dissect something, you have to kill it first. When you dissect a frog, you have to kill it first. So some, same thing with the truth. If you analyze the truth, sometimes you have to kill it. Whereas with a story, it's, it, it, you don't have to kill it. With a, we, stories are wired into our whole sis, our system. We, we have stories. We are stories. We have a beginning, a middle, and end. Humanity has a beginning, a middle, and end. Stories are wired into our DNA. DNA. Jesus Christ, who, who it was God and, and, and created human beings, understood that. And that's why he spoke in parables. And that's why I try to make these little stories of mine like parables, too. Mm -hmm. That's so funny that with the parables, you think about it, we, we, we talked about simplicity before. On the surface, some of the stories seem real simple. Nothing too simple about parables, especially when you think of the prodigal son. There's deep, rich meaning there, as there is in your stories, Anthony, particularly the beggar and the bluebird, Joseph's donkey. Anthony, where do people find you on um, to see all your catalog of books um, and also any social media or anything you want our audience to know? Sure, just you know, one website, www.anthonydestefano.com. If you could figure out the spelling of that Italian name, you'll find all my books there. All right, excellent. And Anthony, we want to thank you very much uh, for joining us once again at the front line with Joe and Joe. Um, I'm going to reach out to you soon. I'd love to do maybe on our social media. Maybe we'll talk about your book on atheism. I'd love to 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 you know mix it up there and 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 kind of like uh, launch a few uh, launch a few rockets. I got, I got to send uh, you guys those that. books. I got to send you those those books. All right. Well, we'll give give you the contact yeah. info. Absolutely. Okay. We'll, we'll have we'll do something on Absolutely. social media. Thank you all out there for joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith as we all need to be doing as Catholic men. Please remember to follow Joe and I on Facebook and YouTube and anywhere you find us um, on social media. Like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.